Welcome to another episode of The Terror Table, a horror movie podcast presented by the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. This voice you're hearing right now is Mitch. I'm one of your regular hosts that you hear every single week, and my pals Kyle and Boozy, they'll be joining me momentarily as we close out our Alien Invasion series this week. Today we are going to start off by sharing what we have all taken in since the last episode. If we mention a title that sounds interesting to you, or if you're, but if you're driving or running or just can't write something down while you're listening, as always, every title that we discuss will be listed in the show notes. Uh, after that, we're going to head first. We're going to dive head first into Kyle's Alien Invasion pick of the week, which is going to be Annihilation. Uh, well, we're going to offer up a spoiler warning so you can pause the show and come back to it if you decide to check the film out for yourself, if you haven't already. And to make the conclusion of this series of episodes even more special, we'll be sharing a brief sound clip from our friend Lana all the way from Boston, Massachusetts, in which she shares her personal connection with Annihilation. I hope you guys enjoyed the, our last episode with writer, producer, and director Aaron B. Kuntz. I had a really great time chatting Alien Invasion films with Aaron, and I hope you guys dug listening. If you haven't yet, make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to keep up with all of our shenanigans, such as recommendations, updates, and episode announcements. Which brings us to our next announcement. Your boys are heading to Elm Street for the month of May. We'll be discussing and dissecting all nine films that feature Freddy Krueger, and we'll be splitting it into four episodes. Starting with next week's episode, a double feature of Wes Craven's original 1986 film and the controversial sequel, Freddy's Revenge. We will also be joined by our friend and fellow genre junkie, Scott Hamilton of the Broadway Theater, and he's also in the bands Adeline and Ken Mode. Scott was on our, for our episode on The Evil Dead, and we're, we've been eager to have him back on again ever since. And this seems like a perfect time to welcome him back because Scott is a huge fan of the Nightmare franchise. Um, and he was an incredible guest on the Evil Dead episode, and we can't wait to have him back. Uh, but until then, you guys can just sit back and enjoy this week's episode in which we talk about a fantastic movie. We talk about Alex Garland's Annihilation from 2019, 2018. Sorry. But as always, uh, thanks again for listening and enjoy this week's episode of The Terror Table.
<laughs> and the terror table's back. You got Mitch here. Who do I got with me? You got Kyle Zervinsky. And next to and, him? Uh, and Boozy. You got Kyle and Boozy in the house. The whole talk about some, here. Talk about some horror movies. But uh, right before we started recording this, we were talking about how we how we missed time play. For those of I you do. who don't know. Yeah, yeah. let's... Like, so, time play, would that be a Canadian thing? That's a good question. I don't know. It's a cineplex thing, which inherently is Canadian. So, I don't know. I, I would imagine I feel it's, like gotta, it's Canadian. But there's got to yeah, be an equivalent. There's got to be, like, an American or UK or worldwide equivalent to, like, a game show before the film begins. I don't know. Yeah. It's no, like, they just, they it's just our version of let's all go to the lobby video play over and over and over. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's that when you go out. to the movie theaters and we have our, uh, our friend and soulmate Tanner Zipchen, he t- he reads you trivia questions, qu- trivia questions about uh, movies, and you have to answer on your phone, and that's their way of telling you, okay, now you got to turn your phone off because the movie's about yeah. to start. But there I is some that. incentives because if you if you win, you get scene points, which means you could get like a free movie if you win like a thousand times. Exactly. Did you notice that scene points back in the day meant something? They really did. Actually, I was. <laughs> I benefited a lot off those back in the day. I know. Back in the day, I used to actually get, like, benefit from scene points. But now it's like, yeah, you need to see 40 movies before you can get, like, a free M&M. Well, nowadays, you have to, like, risk your life if you want to go see a movie. So, actually, it's, um, very, it's, it's actually really escalated. Very it's escalated. Can I, tell you, can I tell you guys something that I did last night that was very special? I think yeah. I know what it is, but please tell me. I skipped the dishes. I ordered Cineplex popcorn. That's psycho. That's psycho. <laughs> Man, I miss theater popcorn so much. You're like and... the guy that skips a small booster juice to his house. <laughs> oh man, I totally would. I totally would. Hey, if you're paying if you're paying a good tip, if you're giving the guy a good tip, it's worth it. That's fair. That's yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm just doing my part to keep the companies in business and I think right. that my sixteen dollars my sixteen dollar popcorn is doing a pretty good job yeah. of doing so. Please go support still your local. How does that work? Well, yeah, good question. They're still They're, open. So just just their concession is open. <laughs> so wow. you can, wow, you I would can... love to play pay inflated prices for food. That's where I'll go. Dude, that's exactly it. you like you the, man, you can you can still order $7 pops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they perfect. Imagine <laughs> ordering oh, okay, oh yeah, I'll take a Coca-Cola for $8, please. <laughs> that is the definition of the bizarro universe we're living in right now, where the Cineplex concession is open and that's all yeah. that is still working and you can get one slice of pizza pizza for 450 that's, and it'll still be one cold of, that's <laughs> one of those du- it's one of those double-edged swords though hey because like you want to you want to support the theater because i want i don't want to ever have to think about a world where there's going to be the- like a theaterless world i don't ever sure. want to think about that yeah, but at the same time this this is now showing that we don't need to spend 20 dollars on popcorn <laughs> We yeah. don't need to spend $8 on pop. And we but, always knew it, but now it's just a lot more intense. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, it, it was it was so fucking amazing, though. Like, the smell, it, it's, I can't yeah. believe, it's only, it's been, what, a month? Like, the last movie I saw in the theater was The Invisible Man. So, I'm, it's been, this is the longest I've gone without seeing a film in the theater in, man, over a decade. That's huge. So yeah. yeah, it's it sucks, and uh, but we we celebrated the fortieth, or I guess it's not fortieth anniversary, but we we celebrated LV four two six day with a 
a viewing of Alien, which I'll talk about in a little bit. But I decided oh, that that, that would lovely. be a good time to that'd be a good time to order some theater popcorn to the house. I, I feel like that's a good reason. You know, you get I a pass so. on that one. Unfortunately, exactly. I worked at a movie theater for years, so theater popcorn does not do it for me anymore. But, but dude, you I, were I understand. I, and I don't. I really, I don't want to throw shade because the Roxy has actually. Really, they actually know the Roxy has really good popcorn. But a lot of those uh, low, like the smaller theaters, those are one-way tickets to Diarrhea Town. <laughs> oh, I would just eat so much of it, man. Like whether it was Diarrhea Town or you know um, Lazy Town, I was. If, Fully engrossed in that popcorn. To the so extent is where- is diarrhea town like the equivalent of like eating at KFC? Oh man, I I think there's a difference between diarrhea that you get from KFC and diarrhea that you get from theater popcorn. That's for sure. Yeah, that's a really good point. Absolutely, <laughs> it's a very different consistency. I've been craving KFC lately, guys. Anyways, dude, so you've skip just been the dishes. Craving diarrhea, basically. Is well, like get zinger box. I mean, I can't really. I can't really deny that, no. <laughs> I crave diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> really All right, well, <laughs> Boozy, would you mind sitting down for the podcast? You're making me nervous. <laughs> I'm a fidgeter. You're like the yeah. guy who comes into the house and doesn't take his jacket off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or he just, he, he, uh, he says that he needs to stand. No, no, there, there's a full couch here. No, it's, all, it's okay, I'll stand. <laughs> At least I'll take my shoes off. What the fuck is the deal with not like wearing shoes? What like American? I'm wondering. Is, shoes in the house it, is so fucked. It's so. That's fucked. got to be another thing that might be different for con- like different between countries. I think a lot of countries are against shoes in the house. I feel like it might just be a couple specific ones. I'm not going to name out loud that do shoes. <laughs> in the house. Yeah, well, no, like I, I'm genuinely a dirty curious floor. about that. <laughs> Yeah, because the, like the only the only Asian countries, it's like hell no, no shoes in the house. Honestly, I'm not against the idea of a nice pair of Adidas in the house, but uh, oh man, <laughs> but you got to have a nice indoor pair though. You don't wear the pair That's from different. outside. Okay. Are you, are you just, talking about slippers? You're just yeah, talking about or slippers. Crocs. Actually, it's or a good Crocs. Point. Yeah. All right, boys. You want to talk about some horror movies? <laughs> we might as well. <laughs> uh, so, what have you guys been up to since last episode? Since last episode. Oh, you know, just grinding, just grinding. <laughs> yeah, we talked about we talked about honeymoon last episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you did, uh, if you didn't, you're dead to us. That's uh, not true. Yeah, that's yeah. the relationship we have. <laughs> uh, so yeah, but who wants to go first? Kyle, have you taken anything in this week? I have. <laughs> Very <Holy> recently. Shit. <laughs> Believe it or not, I watched another movie, um, one that I've been meaning to watch for a while. When thugs um, cry. Well, that one's on the docket still, but unfortunately, okay. I can't report on it just yet. Okay. Um, but this one that I've been meaning to watch, which, again, is kind of on the list of films that was on my radar, but it was definitely more important to me now as I've entered the the show here, joined the show. <laughs> They're going to say, like, the twilight. <laughs> the well, twilight of my career. Sometimes or being wait, at I... our table does feel like the twilight zone. I think I might know which one you're talking about here, because was it? Were you preparing for something that didn't happen? Wait, what? What, uh, what movie did you watch? Oh, sorry, no, no, no. I, I know what you mean. That not quite that. Today I watched the Black Coat's Daughter. Yeah. Oh wow! Yes, uh, which I actually meant to watch for the show last week, but it did not happen. So it's happening now, everyone. Yes, that's right. The Black Coat's Daughter, directed by Oz Perkins, the star of Quigley and a not another teen movie. 
<laughs> and he's also in Legally Blonde. Yeah, let's not. Well, yeah. So an illustrious career. But, but seriously, let's not forget he is Anthony Perkins, Norman Bates' son. Yeah, crazy. What an interesting fellow, hey. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I obviously uh, you know had heard a lot about this film um, from dozens of people, to be honest with you, um, and it's one that really just slid by my radar when it was originally released just like i don't know what it was exactly um i feel like this film has a strong fan base and so like inherently it was kind of a weird one that i just didn't even um you know think to pick up at the time or check out at the time i don't think it played anywhere in our city i could be wrong about that it didn't but it also had a weird release because it was originally called february and then it was changed to the black coat's daughter and i think in different oh, countries it might have different titles Cool. Well, that makes sense. I can understand that uh, second title there, original title. Um, but, you know, so I had a lot of, a, uh, I guess, I wouldn't say hype, but like I, I knew like there would be at least something I would gravitate towards in this film, just based on people's opinions who I trust and, uh, you know, the general idea of what the film was about from what I understood. And I can report back everyone that I enjoyed The Black Coat's Daughter. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a really, cool. man, I, what's that? Fun might not be the best way to describe it, actually. No, it's yeah, not what a is fun your movie at all? Fun. Um, I don't know. I guess it was more so like really. Well, honestly, it was very bleak. It was tense. It was gruesome. But it had like this really like nice um, like dark sincerity to it. Like very um, like a weird kind of purity. You know, like really um, you know, sincere characters that like had really defined motivations, which is what I really liked about the movie. Right. Um, I liked how the story was actually told and crafted um although i will say the second act i found to be very slow and this is coming from a person who enjoys slow movies um so that was kind of my biggest gripe with the film um you know in that second act i honestly was kind of thinking like you know i hate saying this and i don't even know what i mean by it sometimes but i'm like would this be a better like short film like i know where this is going and i i like this concept but then i kind of retracted that thought because in the, in the third act it, this film is is incredible it's an incredible third act it's um it uh you know it illustrates i think what the you know essential idea of the film was trying to get across and it's kind of you know that build up of all these characters um you know paying off i don't know and I, I guess like the general idea of like a film that might come across as slow and this might just be me other people might not feel this way but I only say that because the movie's only an hour and a half long, and if it is feeling slow at all to me, then I will make note of that. No, I I'm I will definitely back you up on that. That it does feel slow, especially in the third act. I just rewatched it last week, and I didn't talk about it because it's a film that I've talked about enough on the show. Right. Um. Right. And uh. But it's that that yeah that movie. So Courtney named it her number one favorite horror film of the last decade. That's so wild. she really really connected with it, and uh, yeah. So she owns it. We watched it last week. And I think Boozy put it the best way when the last time he watched it, he said the movie is just like dripping with negativity. And that's how right. it feels like the movie just feels so negative And it feels almost like that if there is a type of like it, it's just dripping with dread too. like it just it feels it feels like just bad. It's one of those movies that you just know bad <laughs> shit is going to happen. And, yeah. you know, it, t it takes a little bit of time for that to happen in the end. But I think that it delivers. It's Absolutely. obviously not like it's not a huge payoff, like something like honeymoon or like it's not it's not a I huge. Uh, but it, but the thing is that the scares are creepy. 
They're oh, well, creepy. The, the whole thing is spook central, as far as I'm concerned. Like, sure, I like I'm. I don't want to like say that I hated this movie because I thought it was slow at times. What I'm saying is, I found it slow, but it still paid off for me in the end. Um, I think, I think the movie absolutely is dreadful. Like, it's nothing but like kind of like darkness, right? And these characters are kind of instilled with this darkness. Every time there's a bit of levity, it's kind of backed by some sort of, um, you know, dreadful thought or like the fear of something happening, kind of like you were saying, Mitch. So yeah, I I really enjoyed this movie. I think obviously a good portion of the listeners have probably already seen this film, but if you haven't, you know, if you're someone like me who hadn't seen it yet, definitely go check it out. Um, or yeah, if you haven't not- seen it in a while, then definitely watch it. And it's on uh, Amazon Prime right now. If you're looking to give it a watch, and that's something. That, yeah, it's definitely a good one to be checking out right now during these times. Good, it's, good it's pull, easy, so. Kyle. Yeah, and I was happy. Sweet. I was happy to finally get around to it because, yeah, I knew. I don't know. Was it on both your your list of the decade, or was it? It was. On, it was on mine. It was on yeah, Boozies it was just for sure. It's just on Boozies, and for me, after a rewatch, I think it it just lives just outside of my fifteen. Like okay. it's. It, I I really really like that movie though. Well, but, I've, been, uh, I've been also, like, trying to attempt to watch, you know, especially those films that I know you guys, like, think of very highly from the past 10 years, I think. Um, yeah, those you're trying ones. to get caught up. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, this is one that was on the list for a while, so I'm I'm happy I could finally watch it and have something to share with the listeners. So that is what I did. I watched The Black Coat's Daughter featuring Emma Roberts, who left the set of Spring Breakers because she's a wimp. <laughs> okay. Okay, can we actually talk about uh, I don't want to out myself here because I think this is going to piss a lot of people off. I fucking don't like Emma Roberts. I, I, I'm I really in the middle on her. I think she she's kind of... She's in a she weird does the thing. same like, thing in every movie, man. She, yeah, she she's definitely typecast, but what sometimes what she does works well. Other times she's just annoying as fuck. So I don't yeah, know. Like she's good know. in this movie because she, she's restrained and everything, Absolutely. but I think... I think what I'm referring to is like her the the final act in Scream Four always rubs me the wrong way, and also um, I did watch the first little bit of Scream Queens, the TV show with Jamie Lee Curtis, which oh, right. it wasn't terrible, but it's just I think I think what it comes down to is that Emma Roberts, like the thing that what she's trying to appeal to, just very much isn't for me. Well, you were a big fan. You didn't like Unfabulous. You you were more a fan of Zoe 101 or maybe Nez the Classified School Survival Guide. You didn't really like. You weren't into her Nickelodeon show. Is that correct? Could you convert any of that into English for me, please? <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. Someone out there understand what I'm talking about. Uh, I just want was... to throw in also Hotel for Dogs. How could we forget? That's she a very that. good point. We cannot forget Hotel for Dogs. <laughs> I, I will say um, I really loved her performance in The Hunt, the new movie The Hunt. Oh, the cool. Blumhouse See, I don't film know. That... I don't think I'd write her off entirely, but I know what you mean. She's definitely not like... a like an A tier actress, but like I think no, she she can be good. Yeah, it's just I feel like she really blew up like fucking huge. Well, I mean when you're Julia Roberts uh niece, it's gonna happen. Yeah. Okay. Well, the you heard it here first. Uh Emma Roberts is dead. Boozy, what have you <laughs> oh, oh recently? <laughs> uh I decided to take a note out of your book and I decided to watch Altered. Oh, fuck yeah. Because uh, you talked about that last week. And it seems um, like a movie that I, I feel like that's a movie Boozy would really like. Uh, I like the story. I 
I had a lot of problems with it. I just it felt very all over the place I and mean, not very many likable characters. And also, they, if you're going to have, like, a cool design monster from, like, the head up, don't show me the rest of it running down a hallway or in a bathtub at any point. Because you clearly see the, like, uh, what the fuck's that? They have, like, the this black skin suit on, so I'm just clearly seeing, like, a stunt guy's ass. Yeah, you can see the seams, but that that's what I liked about it. I found it like it's like a charming monster movie is in my opinion. Like I don't think it's anything amazing or anything. I just think it's a really cool low budget monster movie. Yeah, but I, I mean if you just trimmed those things out, is like, we always talk about like for ages we talked about less is more. And I feel like that's one that where like it won't take you out of the movie as much if those scenes aren't in there or if they're chopped down to a smaller amount. Yeah. It definitely, uh, it, it could benefit, it's pretty campy, the way that yeah. it's presented right now. Yeah, and it, like, there was some really cool stuff in there. I like how the one guy was, like, deteriorating. That was cool. Kind of, like, reminded me, like, the fly. Yeah. So, um, Boozy's talking about Altered, uh, directed by Eduardo Sanchez. I think it came on 2004? 2006 is what 2006, I mean. 2006, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't know. If you're into creature movies, I'd say give it a watch. I wouldn't put it at the top of any list, but it, yeah, it was no. fine. This is the Blair Witch guy, right? Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, if you have more, Boozy, do you want me to? Do you have more? Or do you want me to just hop in? I have two more things. Okay, cool. Uh, I'll hop in and then I'll pass it back to you. Um, <clears throat> I'll start off with. I have actually. I'll start off with the only one that I have this week that isn't directly related to Annihilation or isn't an alien movie. And that is The Stepfather from 1987. Uh, this was a first time watch for me. I had never seen The Stepfather, the original. Uh, this one is available on Tubi, which is, we talked about it on a couple episodes ago. We laughed about it, whatever. It's a free streaming service. You can download it on your PlayStation. There's a Scream Factory channel on there. So if you're out there looking for stuff to watch, like, yes, you have to suffer through a couple ads. And by the by suffer, I mean, you have to watch a 10 second ad in the middle of the movie, whatever, get over it. Uh, you have an entire library of Scream Factory releases in there. Um, there's a lot of garbage in there, but there's a lot of really good stuff in there. And The Stepfather is one of them. Uh, this is one that was remade, I believe, in... 2009 uh i'm gonna look it up here i'm really i've been bad with uh yeah 2009 and this one the remake had Penn badgley from you and uh dylan dylan walsh who was famous in nip tuck and then it also starred amber heard as the the daughter um amber heard who went on to be the uh she was in aquaman never back down all the boys love mandy lane and johnny depp um so you why are you shaking your head kyle i don't know man <laughs> is that an extended title for that movie <laughs> Which, yeah no oh, never back down you're gonna mention johnny depp or not <laughs> well yeah i'm team amber heard over johnny depp let me make that very clear but all right so i want to pull up the actual synopsis for the original stepfather uh once again, available on Tubi. It's starring Terry O'Quinn, who was he was in a bunch of stuff. Like he was a, he played he was in Lost. Uh, he was in the Rocketeer. He played Howard Hughes in the 1991 Rocketeer. He was in Young Guns. Uh, he was a very famous actor back in the day. He's still doing bit parts here and there in TV. 
but he plays the stepfather, and the story goes: after murdering his entire family, a man marries a widow with a t- with a teenage daughter in another town and prepares to do it all over again. So this is essentially Ted Bundy the movie. Um, this was totally in a time where they were capitalizing off of the the whole idea behind serial killers and specifically Ted Bundy. This just feels like it's a Ted Bundy movie, but it's not called Ted Bundy. Um, it's a sleazy horror thriller, but it, and it has that made for TV quality. But it's but all the subject matter of the movie is so fucking dark. And I don't know, the, like these types of horrors are so few and far between. But I've seen so many films that lift like all over. They lift from the stepfather, but I've never seen this original. So now watching it, I'm seeing I'm like, oh, that's where Disturbia took this from. That's where, um, you know, I know a lot of people don't like that movie. I dig it for what I like it is. That movie. It's fun. Yeah. But like there's lots of those types of like teen movies or like, you know, those there's something to be said about. I'd like to do a series on um, horror movies that, you know, are primarily where the horror is coming from inside your house. Like where some something inside your house that I would like to delve One into. That. I think. Yeah, and like, or the stepfather is a good example of that. And uh, this is another one I realize my um, my target's pretty off when it comes to Boozy. I never know if he's going to like it or not. But I think that this is one that I would definitely recommend to Boozy. Uh, Kyle would also really enjoy it. I'd recommend this one to pretty much anyone. I think this is, especially since it's a free movie on Tubi, if you're looking for a serial killer type movie, or uh, if you're Mitch Clark out there and you're listening to this, you can maybe pick it up from the lobby in Edmonton if you're at that in Edmonton and you can go to that video store. Uh, but yeah, The Stepfather, I, I recommend it. Shout out Tubi, sponsorship <laughs> incoming. Yes. <laughs> I'm uh, always amazed at how much you guys use your PlayStation 4s for content. <laughs> oh man, that's, that's like primarily all I use it for. I'm just starting to learn how to use computers through all of this quarantine. <laughs> Right now, well, shout out Tubi, I guess. Shout out Stepfather. Yeah, there's some good stuff on there. <laughs> shout out and Tubi. What, what was that other service that sounds very similar to Tubi? I don't know if it exists anymore. What was it called? Show me. No. Fuck. Gooby. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna make up words till you go. Yeah. Anyways, that, don't worry about it. It's. But it, it right. came out around. It was the same concept. It was free, but there were some ads. Joe Dirt Two premiered on there. That's what I remember. Oh right, I know which one you're talking about, but I can't remember what it's called. Not important. Don't worry. About Imagine it. Hey. rolling that out as your like first thing. Yeah. Ta-da. Sidebar. Sidebar. Kyle, did you ever watch Joe Dirt Two? I haven't. No, I actually haven't seen Joe. Dirt. I made it five minutes. Man, is I that like? Is it, is it like Dicky Rob or not Dicky Roberts? Is it uh, like? Oh, fuck. I love Dickie Roberts. I'm blaming. I'm blanking on shit today. What's that terrible, uh, Sandler produced film? Not. It's kind of like Dickie Roberts, but it's um. Sandy Wexler. No, no, no. That one's actually pretty good. I didn't um, watch that one actually. It's with like the guy from uh, Reno 911, uh, and it has whatever. I'll oh, dude, don't. Oh, Bucky Larson. Bucky Larson. That's what I'm thinking. Sorry. Bucky Larson is what fucking hilarious. Fuck? Why, why does terrible. that sound familiar? Because it's Nick Swordson. It's That's, Nick Swordson, oh. and he's a porn star. It's fucking hilarious. It's one of the dumbest movies I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I only bring it up because that was a movie I got about five minutes into. I oh, man. It is so dumb. I <laughs> so, spent, okay. I spent $6 on my Shavi OD for nothing. Yes. All right, Boozy, uh, what else do you got? Um, the other thing I had is I rewatched the whole first season of Mindhunter. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. 
Man, that show is so good. I don't think people give it enough credit for like how well made it is. Well, for people in the off chance that there is those people out there, can you give the listeners a rundown of what Mindhunter is and how they can watch it on Netflix right now? Well, if they turn on their TVs and start Netflix, they may be able to find it. Um, but basically, it's about two FBI agents in, I believe it's 77, and they're learning how to profile serial killers, so they're interviewing them. And there's also, like, crimes going on within it that they're trying to solve. It's, it's got, like, a lot of onion layers, like an ogre. Um, <laughs> shout Best out kind Trek. of layer. <laughs> um, shout out Trek, now on Tubi. <laughs> I don't know. Yo, I bitch, just, it I, might be. <laughs> I think it's probably one of the best made TV shows out there. Wow, it yep. is phenomenal. Absolutely. I haven't seen the second season yet, though. Have you guys it's watched so it? so good. It, yeah. I, I think it's even better. Or, like, I, at least on par. I, like, it's just, I don't it's all binge so good. anything. And as soon as that came out, I binged it. I sat there for a day and a half watching it. And I, I yeah. don't do that for anything. That's one of those shows that Courtney and I will, we will, like, binge the second it drops. Right. It's That's, so good. That's sick. Yeah. Cool. Um, you said you, you have one more, hey? Yeah. All right. I'm going to hammer off like, tsh, I'm going to hammer off one more and then we can just delve into uh, Annihilation type stuff. Uh, I rewatched Super 8, the J.J. Abrams film. Oh, man. How was I haven't that? seen that since it came out. Yeah, same here. I want to hear what you guys think about, like, because this, this is one I, I, I'm honestly, I wasn't prepared to talk about this on the show today because I don't think that I should be. Um, oh, what do you mean? What, you think it, what do you guys monster? think about Super 8? I don't know. I remember thinking it was like a, a, a chil- children's version of Cloverfield. That's how I always remember it, to be honest. Yeah. And it's, I don't know. I think maybe it's looked back, or I have even looked back on it a bit more fondly to a degree because it kind of kickstarted and was the precursor to Stranger Things and like 80s nostalgia of that, you know, ilk or yeah, whatever. Yeah, you're right. Um, But. At the same time, I haven't watched it since it came out, so like, I'm a little fuzzy on it. I remember thinking it was all right, but it didn't blow me away. Um, I remember thinking it was pretty endearing, but I don't know. I don't know how was it. How did it, or Boozy? What did you think? What do you What do you think of Super Eight? What are your thoughts on Super Eight? From what I remember, because I'm kind of in the same boat as Kyle, like I haven't seen it since it came out. When did it come out? Like 2011. Okay, that's pretty close. Which was, I believe, the same year as Cowboys versus Aliens. Right, for reference. Yes. Oh, I God. I, I yeah. nearly had completely forgotten about that movie forever. And is that similar to, Is that like Jonah Hex? <laughs> oh, it's the same year as Cowboys and Aliens, yes. Is that like R.I.P.D.? <laughs> oh, man. Cowboys um, and Aliens was supposed to be good, though, because it's a Favreau movie. Yeah. Fuck, that sucked. I, I think, Kyle, just... you, you hit on a lot of good points. That movie was definitely like the archetype for like Stranger Things. And I, yeah. I remember the creature design being pretty cool and actually doing some cool stuff in that movie. Yeah. There's like a, there's like a really cool tunnel scene I remember in that movie as well. Yeah, at the very end. Yeah. I don't know. And I'm always a sucker for like movies that feature like kids making movies. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I like it's, that shit. It's you basically know, whether... just like a Spielberg ripoff if you want to get down to it. That he is prime. Any produce it? Yeah, he produced it, but that is, yeah, that's exactly what it is. And so when this movie came out, I adored it. I loved it. And I, ever since I've been saying, yeah, I'm a huge fan of Super 8. I'm a big J.J. Abrams fan. And, you know, I do, for the most part, love everything J.J. Abrams does. I love The Force Awakens. Um, do and what's that? I do, you too. too. I love Force Awakens, yeah. Yeah. yeah, great film. 
Um, but for for me on upon rewatch, man, I I don't like Super Eight. <laughs> Uh, and that's why I don't um, I don't want to turn people off from it because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who will still like it or who haven't seen it who might like it because it is like like the boys have already mentioned it's essentially a precursor for Stranger Things it's a, the same type of Spielberg template that has been played out in many other films before uh, but it, what's the things that are most endearing about it is you have like a cool little cast of characters who are obsessed with monster movies and you can tell that JJ took a little bit of himself and injected into the movie. Those are the best parts about the film is when you can feel that there's some truth in there to how he, how he was as a kid and how he was with his friends and being obsessed with monsters and makeup and aliens and the art of filmmaking that those are all the best parts of super eight. Um, where it loses me is the movie is just such a like distorted CGI mess in my opinion. Like, really? and, and it might well. be different for people, but like the, it's a spectacle movie, which is fine. I get it. And I, you know, I'll, I'll seem like a bit of a contradiction here. Like I do many times on the show. Um, cause I love movies like, uh, Cloverfield, which is kind of very similar. That's there. Some some of those things are spectacles. Or actually, that's a bad example. I, rem- <laughs> I remember Cloverfield. I remember thinking Super Eight was similar to Cloverfield. But am I right in that at all? Is, yes. Is that the, mo- the monster. The monster is almost like it, the 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 design is very very similar. And that, but the and thing that, is, Super Eight has a young Elf Manning too, right? Yes, and she's really good in it. But the thing is, um, now in a post Stranger Things world, now that we have this story told better that gives you less of a reason to go back to super eight. Like in my opinion, like straight, it just shows like how much better stranger things is now. And like, obviously that's tough to compare because one has three full seasons and one was two hours. Um, and, but the thing is, it's just, when it comes to this story, like this isn't anything original, stranger things didn't do anything original. Super eight didn't do anything original. So there's no really need to defend super eight here when it comes to that story. Um, I just think in a post stranger things world, one is clearly better than the other. Um, but the thing is the, with super eight, the problem is it just takes so fucking long. There's so much people, there's so much panic in the movie and people running around and trying to figure things out. But there's nothing actually really to look at or grasp at, which is my problem. Like, and I know I'm not the kind of guy. Jaws is my favorite movie of all time. I don't need to see the monster at all times. But you barely see the creature up and the alien up until like the last 20 minutes of the movie or last half hour. And even then, it's like the way that it's filmed, it's so fast. And like you only get glimpses of it. There's only a few times where you get to really look at it. And I think that that's an important part of a creature movie. Like you should at least have a couple parts where you really get a look at it. Right. And I, my bottom line feeling about this movie is I feel like JJ got more caught up in making a spectacle film that the heart was lost a little bit. In my opinion, it feels like he was trying so hard to put a lot of heart in this, but it just came out hollow. It just doesn't feel like it. Uh, it feels like the the templates there for like, Oh yeah, this is, Clearly, all of this came from the heart, but why does it just not feel like anything? Why? Why am I? And that could be that could very much be me. Uh, so take what I'm saying here with a grain of salt. But I personally, I just don't think it holds up very well. And I, I uh, Courtney, it was her first time watching it, and uh, she was less than impressed. So it's a weird thing to look back on now, honestly, or even reflect on because, like, it's kind of. I don't know. It's kind of showing that the paint is cracking on, you know, the idea of like nostalgic films, you know, like 
or how they're treated like that's yeah sorry i i don't mean to cut you off but that's the thing with jj abrams too is like uh everyone makes fun of him for his lens flares and this movie is like the worst offender i think like this movie man every every fucking shot it's just like hey man we get it (laughs) i never yeah that that's funny because i never really bought into that joke because that joke was always about Star Trek. I'm like, well, yeah, that makes sense. It's Star Trek, like this. Exactly. What, what, what do you want? Time, <laughs> yeah, man. There's a there's a time and a place for lens flares. Exactly. Annihilate, Annihilation is filled with lens flares. Absolutely. But when you when you watch Super Eight and they're in a kitchen cooking eggs and there's uh, lens flares, like the what <laughs> yeah. the fuck are we doing here, you guys? Lens flared eggs. It's not yeah. really a style. <laughs> not really. No, a it, visual it's style. it's so overboard. I don't and, know. You have, you have a problem with cinematic eggs? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, man. That's weird, though, because I could even I I don't know. I haven't watched Super 8 recently, obviously, but I, I can understand what you're talking about, like how it how it's feeling hollow because there's not enough of the actual heart that he's trying to put into it on the screen or maybe on the page. Even I don't know. Maybe it's a script issue, but I think even just looking back on it now, like, yeah, I honestly I'm intrigued that you brought it up on the show, but I was never, ever going to watch Super 8 again, probably just because <laughs> there's things like stranger things or even this new ghostbusters or you know yeah. all these other things that do exist um and it's not to knock like not that stranger things is inherently a bad or sorry a super eight is inherently a bad movie because those things exist now but i don't i do think it's kind of revealing on how those ideas might not they just won't last the test of time the same way their source material kind of did or the things yeah. that being homages to will i don't know yeah and I, I should reiterate that I, I don't think Super 8's a bad movie. I just, it doesn't connect with me anymore. And uh, I just think that it's, the test of time hasn't been nice to it, uh, in my opinion. And there are other things out there doing very similar things that just kind of make it obsolete. How, how did you just... decide to watch that? Did you say? Oh, yeah. I, I uh, well, that's, when that's a we... random poll. <laughs> well, when we did the, I've been wanting to rewatch it again. And, uh, I as we do whenever we do these types of like niche series uh when we chose aliens I went through my collection and I pulled out every movie that could be considered an alien movie and I move it to the top shelf on my potential watch list and uh Courtney didn't we didn't know what to watch I was like hey let's fucking do super 8 like I haven't seen this in 10 years so we we did it and that's cool what wasn't that fun <laughs> We did uh, it, and it wasn't that fun. No, I just I, I did I didn't care for it. Um, but I did a couple others that were a lot of fun, which I'll talk about, and it'll be a good segue into our annihilation conversation. Uh, so I'll let you close things off, Boozy, or um, close your thoughts off. My last thing, I just wanted to give a shout out to Kent Blue at Roll to Play Podcast. He had a couple of us just online doing a Skype like game. Uh, I don't think he recorded it. But it was a ton of fun. It was a great way to pass, like, two hours. It was uh, Kent, uh, Sean from The Story of You, as well as Bryson. And we had a little adventure game. It was like a... um, We were in, like, a a school, and it had, like, some Lovecraft vibes to it. Anyway, I think my favorite moment of the whole thing is uh, Bryson's character kept getting hurt. And then I kept suggesting that to, like, cover his wounds, he had to take off his clothes. So by the end, he was just in underwear and socks. Wow. <laughs> like he was when he was at my place. <laughs> yeah. Sexy. It's a good look okay. for him. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I just want to um, thank you very much for the invite, Kent and uh, Boozy. <sighs> yeah. Me and Kyle appreciate it. We we hate games. We, we're not fans of fun here. 
So we uh, we didn't want to be included. So we appreciate hey, you guys not asking us. Uh, Thanks don't for shoot the messenger. Thanks for clarifying for me, uh, Mitch, because I appreciate yeah. it, man. I don't I don't really have the strength to say it myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, before we get on to our talk on annihilation, I just yeah, the last thing I did over the last week is so. I'm pretty sure I know where Kyle's at. I don't fully know. I know where Boozy's at because we've talked about it. We've talked about Annihilation before, but I'm a big fucking fan of Annihilation. I love Annihilation. I know Kyle does as well. Uh, spoiler alert. But I. it also means I'm a big fan of Alex Garland, the writer and the director. Uh, or the He wrote the screenplay for Annihilation and he directed it. So I decided to go back through his films um, the, or the stuff that he's been involved in. So far so that I actually even started rewatching The Beach last night. The Leonardo DiCaprio film. Yeah. Courtney stayed up and watched the whole thing. I fell asleep, but I, I do really no like that movie. I have no idea what that is. That's an awesome oh, it's from, it's from 99? I believe it's 99, or it yeah. could be 2000. It's 99. Uh, but Danny yeah, Boyle. It's Danny is Boyle it directed movie? movie? No, no. Oh. It is, it's a great Leonardo DiCaprio movie, but it's, uh, but it's based off of Alex Garland's novel of the same name. Uh, so he was a writer before all of this, and or he still is, I guess. Uh, but yeah, so I was watching The Beach, but the ones that I really want to talk about is obviously what came before Annihilation was Ex Machina. That's what everyone knows as his first film. Uh, so I did watch that, but I also want to talk about one that people don't look at as, not everybody looks at as an Alex Garland movie, but it is. And that movie is called Dread. So Dread 3D. Yes. Dread. Have both of you seen Dread? Oh, yeah. Nope. Whoa. Okay. Oh man! Okay, I think so you Dredd, would enjoy. I think you would really enjoy Dread. Oh, Boozy, Boozy would fucking love Dread. Dread, like Dread, is a movie that. Oh man, this movie like, is so good. Yeah, sorry, it's a blast, man. I remember yeah. thinking like before. I don't think I would consider it as good as this film, but um, the raid. Sorry, I was gonna even say like in terms of, like action films from that decade. Like uh, to me, Mad Max Fury Road is number one. But absolutely. Um, but up until that, it was Dread for me. Like that was yeah. that was the pinnacle at that point for me. And I think another thing that happened with Dread was uh, the it came out around the same time that the Raid, like the Raid Redemption, came yeah. out around the same time. There's and a lot they of have, similarities. Yeah, they have some similarities as in like it's it's a badass level, basically fighting his way through. Uh, he's le- going through levels and just laying people to waste, and it's it's a ton of fun. Uh, but it's obviously, it's a remake of the Sylvester Stallone, Rob Schneider movie. Uh, that, I've never that seen movie, that, unfortunately. Okay, I have. That movie is fucking awful. It's okay. terrible. Uh, even worse than that movie is the Super Nintendo game, which I also own. I still own my parents, because they knew I loved movies as a kid, they would buy me the Super Nintendo game. Like, I have the Jurassic Park game. I have the Dread game. And I have like Aladdin. Some of those work. Aladdin's an amazing game. Dread is an impossible game. You you're judge Dread. You can't beat it. It's it's fucking impossible. It's one of the worst games ever. It's like ET. Um, but yeah, so not not a good look for Dread. But it came back in 2012. Uh, it was supposedly directed by Pete Travis, uh, who didn't direct this movie so i don't need to talk about it it uh, he he got the, he got he got the credit he got the credit for it but uh the star of the film carl urban uh who is one of my man crushes he's a star of the boys and uh he's in star trek he's in lord of the rings he's in the doom remake that was terrible uh he's in thor ragnarok you, you all know who carl urban is we also have lena hetty as the as the villain she's the main baddie she is uh cersei from game of thrones 
This was pre Game of Thrones, Lena Headey. Um, so basically, He's what I under- a bad guy. Yeah. yeah. What <laughs> what I understand what happened from what I can understand because there I don't know if there's anything definitive out there to say this, but I as far as I'm concerned, the person we can listen to is the star of the movie, and that's Carl Urban. And what he said happened was there was a lot of trouble between Pete Travis, the director, and the studio at the time. And they were having tons of trouble making this movie, so much so that they brought in the screenwriter, which was Alex Garland, to come in and help it out. And wow. what what you get out of that is, especially now when you watch this movie in a post-annihilation world, those, I don't know when the last time you saw Dread was, Kyle, but uh, the, the movie's based around... Um, Judge Dredd, who it's basically he's the form of uh, judges are the form of law enforcement in this kind of Blade Runner esque world, uh, yeah, yeah. where they it's like a futuristic, slimy, skeezy, drug ridden world, and he they he gets a, it starts off essentially like Training Day, where he gets a he gets a apprentice, someone who's going to come along on the road with him to help him out, and he gets called to this like crack house building where. Um, some people jumped off of the top story and like he has to go and report, report to it. And what he finds out is that he gets locked, they get locked into the building and he has to fight his way to the top to find the woman who's selling slow-mo and slow-mo is this drug that basically it turns the movie and when they, and it, it, it comes in the form of an inhaler. And when you inhale it, it turns everything slow motion because the movie was filmed in 3d also, which is something that I hate. Yeah. But this is the number one movie that you don't watch in 3D. You don't even when you're watching non-3D, it looks amazing. Um, it turns whenever they take the uh, slow mo, it turns into annihilation, like the shimmer, like that. That's what it looks right. like. Right? Yeah. Like the point. all of the all of the colors and everything. It looks like Alex Garland working with what he has. Um, it, clearly, it doesn't look as good as like annihilation or whatever. But you but can tell it's like, oh man, this is 100% Garland. And like, there's obviously a lot of green screen in that film, but there's also a lot of practical stuff going on too. Like oh, it's, tons, it's, man! It's awesome. Um, I don't think I've seen Dread since I've seen Annihilation. I'm almost positive I haven't, but I've seen the film a couple times. So yeah. I don't. Know, it hard. I'm trying to think back on some of those similarities. But when you mentioned kind of that like visual effect of the slow mo, yeah, absolutely. That's that's a yeah. cool connection. I don't know, man. That, that movie is just like so much fun. Like it's it it's, is. It has such an interesting visual style. It's like. Nothing but adrenaline, like just it's just basically badass. So there's no other way I it can is. Put it. It's Isn't just it buddy. Yeah. It sounds like a buddy cop movie. Well, no, all oh, of those oh. every every single action movie has that type. Like there, there's like a tiny bit of that DNA there. But it, when you see it, it's nothing like that. Like it's, it's just a hyper violent, intentionally corny at times, beautifully looking action movie. Like it is just gut. It's gut churningly violent, but at the same time, it's such a glossy looking movie. Um, but yeah, you're seeing heads blow up. You're seeing bodies explode. You have slow motion close-ups of shots going in people's heads and out the other end. And it's <laughs> super, it's crazy. It's wild. I highly recommend it. It's one of the most underrated, uh, underrated action movies of the last decade. Yeah. Uh, so that's also on Amazon prime. So I highly recommend checking that out, especially looking at it through the lens of knowing that Alex Garland was the man behind, even if he wasn't the one, even if, uh, Pete Travis shot a lot of that. You can see that Garland turned it into something entirely different in the editing room. Um, right. So that's what I'm basically taking from it. But so yeah, Dread, huge thumbs up for me. I, I adore that movie. Uh, last, I'm not going to spend a bunch of time on it because everyone has seen it. We don't need to talk about it too much, but I did rewatch Ex Machina in preparation for this, just uh, in ex- sheer excitement. 
Um, Ex Machina came out in, I think it was 2000, yeah, 2014, one of the greatest years of film. Uh, it's a futuristic mortality tale that definitely shares a similar skeleton to like the original Frankenstein story. I think it's another movie yeah. that's beautiful to look at. It's just like his other films, but it's the characters that really make this film shine. Um, you have Oscar Isaac in peak peak form. Like he is, he's creepy. He's enticing. He's so good. Yeah, yeah, he really is good, and he's great in that movie because he he takes on like he's. He's like method acting in that film. Like he really puts he himself gets into, it. into it. Yeah, yeah, like it's it's wild. Yeah, I don't and know, then man. Dom Gleason. I'm not huge on Ex Machina, to be honest with you. What? There's, I want This is what I want to hear because there's a lot of people out there. It's uh, Garland is one of those directors that he's already proven to be so special and be so talented that people are already fighting about which one. Like they're they're taking passionate stands on his movies. <laughs> Well, I like, don't know. Do we do we want to talk about this now, or do we want to talk about this in the in the future? Yes, we can talk, yeah, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it in the future. But I'll, I'll just close it up by saying that I am I am a fan of Ex Machina. It's not my favorite film of his. I'll say that. Uh, but it's I think it's a great movie, and I think this was the best time I had watching it yet. This would be my third time watching, and even the first time I saw it, I it was on my top ten list that year. Right. Um, not even just horror movies like it's it is and this is a horror movie that's another thing that really bothers me is a lot of people are like hey it's not a horror movie it's like no man this movie is fucking terrifying in the especially the last half an hour and um i think alicia vikander who went on to i i really want to see her take on like she showed such promise in this film and i haven't seen admittedly i haven't seen all of her movies obviously but uh I know she went on to she went on to play Tomb Raider in the new Tomb Raider remake, and honestly, that movie was a lot better than I was expecting it to be. I, it's not for everybody, but it was okay. No, she's a great and actress. She, yeah. yeah, and she's really good in it, but she's great in Ex Machina. Um, and I think she so. might still be boning Michael Fassbender, so that's sick. Is she? <laughs> that's her. Yeah. Is that her? Yeah. Oh man, and he apparently has like the biggest dick in Hollywood. Have you Shout seen out Shame? Michael Fassbender? I actually, <laughs> I still haven't seen Shame, but I, that I, guy dude, has I, a I love it. Hammer, bro, that guy yeah, can wreck someone. Yeah, oh, that's terrifying. God. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about X Machina yeah. and the main feature. But the last thing I'm going to say is we rewatched Alien last night, and for uh, LV four two six day, masterfully told, impeccably shot, as pure as the as pure a monster movie as they come. A true classic. It's a complete, ma- it's an absolute masterpiece. It's one of those films that rewards you each time for a revisit because A, you just, you discover something brilliant every time that you watch it, something that you didn't notice the previous time. And B, you're given a perfect film every fucking time. So if wow. you, if it's been a while since you've watched Alien, watch Alien again. It's a perfect movie. Now that's um, a cosign. Is it on, yeah. is it on Quibi though? <laughs> it's, dude, it's called. It's called, on Tubi. It's called Whatever. Tubi. You son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> but no, I watched sponsor. You show some damn respect. I Sorry. watched one of one of my three Alien Blu-rays that I own. <laughs> wow. Uh, watched the theatrical. No, I did the theatrical cut. I I believe the theatrical cut is all you need. But uh, yeah. You guys want to get on to talking oh. about Annihilation? Oh, wait, I, have, what? I have one thing I want to bring up, everyone, that I just... Um, this is this is not breaking news, but this is breaking news for myself personally. Semi-breaking news? Um, Brahms the Boy 2 is available on VOD now. Oh, shit! You want to have a viewing party tonight? <laughs> so I'm thinking we're going to have to try and watch Brahms the Boy 2 together, boys. Yeah. Have, to, have a couple of drinks and... Um, I've been waiting. Know, just, just experience what that is about. 
If you guys can figure out how to do that, like Netflix viewing party or, or Chrome viewing party so that the three of us can watch it, I'll do it tonight. <laughs> we can, we oh, can yeah. make it work. I think we need to. If you figure out how to make it work, Kyle, we'll do it. Okay, absolutely. And, and Kyle, you haven't seen The Boy One, correct? For the record, no. I have not seen The Boy One, and okay. I'm not going to watch it. I'm, well, Good. I'm you, don't, you don't need to, actually. I'm, I thought uh, it was an okay movie. No, but the, actually, they, that's... I just haven't seen it and I'm ready to see the sequel already. <laughs> the first boy isn't that it's it's it is it's okay. But the thing is the the second one has nothing to do with it. Well they we're changed the this story. This is Brahms entirely. movie. <laughs> yeah. This is Brahms the boy too. Um, <laughs> it's it's Brahms, bitch. So that's um that's not related to a dilation, unfortunately, but I figured I'd bring that up. So yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, we will be right back after uh, we'll leave you with this trailer and our theme song, and we'll be back to talk about Annihilation. Can you describe its form? No. Was it carbon-based? I don't know. Did it communicate with you? It reacted to me. You really have no idea what it was. Did your husband contact you at any point while he was away? No. It was his decision to go in. Why did my husband volunteer for a suicide mission? You have to tell me where he was, what he was doing. I need to know what's inside. I could save him. And welcome to our main feature presentation, in which we're going to be talking about Kyle Zervinsky's science fiction alien invasion pick of the week, closing out our series, Annihilation, from 2018. Annihilation was written and directed by Alex Garland. The screenplay was adapted from the book called of the same name, Annihilation, by Jeff Vandermeer, which is a part of the Southern Reach trilogy. Um, the story goes, a biologist signs up for a dangerous secret expedition into a mysterious zone where the laws of nature don't apply. And it stars Natalie Portman, Jennifer Jason Lee, Tessa Thompson, Benedict Wong, and Sonoya Muzino. There's two Benedict uh, actors in this world? <laughs> yes, and That's Oscar true. Isaac. <laughs> yeah, I know. Insane. So, well, Kyle... Why did you choose Annihilation for your alien invasion pick? Because this is not, uh, this isn't, when when you think of alien invasion movies, this A, wouldn't normally be the thing that you'd normally think of because it's not your stereotypical alien movie, but B, it's also a recent movie. Right, absolutely. Well, I, well, for one thing, this is a film, like, in recent memory that I've, I've really enjoyed, and I think, uh, I think it has sort of a cult fan base to some extent i know there's definitely some people out there some people close to us who really really love this film 
And so I absolutely am relating with that. And I think, you know, this is a good example of a film that kind of teeters on the horror genre. You know, like there's obviously kind of like capital H horror films out there. But then there's films like Annihilation that have horror elements, but still very much are rooted in horror. And um, I guess in a way, maybe I haven't fully taken that position. But in a, in a lot of senses, the times I've even been on a, been a guest on the show initially... I would kind of bring movies like that on the show to sort of spice things up sometimes. And that was kind of my attempt here, I guess, because you're absolutely right, Mitch. This is not your typical alien film. I mean, you don't see any little green men <laughs> at all. Um, but it's absolutely rooted in sort of, you know, similar alien tropes and maybe even just extraterrestrial in general. Um, I also had such an like engrossing, I guess, movie theater experience when i first saw this film it was such a good time in the theater because it was a small group of us i want to say there might have only been like i don't know maybe 20 20 people in the whole theater that weekend i knew it wasn't doing very well but being surrounded by all those people i could tell every single person at theater was completely glued to the screen and witnessing something really really special and, yeah, and that's that's also a good point. Sorry to cut you off there, but like you, uh, like these are the types of movies that you know that even if they're not doing very well, fans of Garland and science fiction will they'll come out for movies like this. And the people who do go, even if there might not be a lot of them, the people who go out to these movies are fucking excited for it. Absolutely, well, because the movies like this honestly don't come along very often. There are a little, you know. They're not for everyone in some sense. I think Annihilation actually is fairly accessible, but at the same time, it's very heady. There's a lot of like, um, you know, philosophical kind of pseudo intellectual things happening here and there, which might turn some people off. Um, I would even say pseudo intellectual. I would probably just say like downright intellectual things happening here. But uh, you know, you're you're totally right, Mitch. Like, think movies like this, people will flock to because you know. They're unique. Things like this, you know, um, you know, are special in some ways. And yeah. you know, like you say, Garland is kind of a, a talent, really, right now. But he's but he's been making things like this for a decade now, more than a decade, decades. And this is absolutely, in my opinion, the best film he's directed. I think. Uh, I, don't, I don't want to shit on Ex Machina too much. I don't want to make it seem like I hate that film because I don't. I enjoy that movie. But admittedly, when I saw Ex Machina. I didn't really get what all the hype was about. I loved the way it looked, and I loved the you know the characters, but I thought the story overall was nothing special, personally. Um, but basically, everything I wanted from that film, to some extent, I got in Annihilation, because this film has so much style, it has so much substance, and you know whether it's the script or you know kind of the the visual style of the film, there's a lot going on here. Uh, and I also think the movie benefits a lot from multiple viewings. I think there's a lot of little details, a lot of maybe like hidden meta metaphors, things you could grab onto, things maybe you don't want to, uh, you know, like maybe di things you didn't see on the first time. There's just, there's just a lot to sink into this movie. This movie is beefy. Oh. Yeah. I love yeah, it. Yeah. Awesome. And before I get on to Boozy here, I just want to, I didn't point out before, but I am going to mention this in the pre, like in the intro to the episode, but we are going to offer a spoiler warning for this episode as well. Um, assuming most of you have probably seen Annihilation, but in the off chance that you haven't, uh, we will give you a chance to be able to pause the episode and come back to it. If you haven't seen the film yet and you want to 
not have anything spoiled for you. So we're going to talk spoiler free for the first little bit. And then we're going to have our friend Lana all the way from Boston, Massachusetts, uh, share a little bit of an audio clip uh, talking about her experience with the film, which contains spoilers. So we are going to ha- we'll insert that audio clip when we are going to be talking about spoilers. But like I said, I will warn you about that. Um, but yeah, all uh, I pretty much agree with all your thoughts there, Kyle. But I'll get into those deeper after I hear about Boozy's Boozy's thoughts about Annihilation. So um, I think because I know you so well, Boozy, uh, this is your second time seeing the film. Third. Third. Oh, you watched yeah. it again? Okay, because yeah. I remember after I saw the movie, I uh, texted you before I even left my seat saying, go fucking see this movie right now. <laughs> Yeah, and I have a good story about the first time I went and watched it. Let's hear it. (laughs) I was on a date the first time I watched it, and towards like the very end when they finally get to the lighthouse, I was hit with explosive diarrhea, and I had to just like run out. So I actually missed a lot of the ending the first time. Which also like Cineplex, good job on your bathrooms; they're fairly clean. I'm I'm okay with that. Um, but the movie itself, now that I've watched it three times, um, you pick up something different every time you watch it. And the thing I think I got most out of this time watching it is all your characters are versions of how people deal with grief. If you get down to it, like how they, how each character acts, because each of them does have a very distinct point of view in the world. And, and I think that's, um, it is just like all a metaphor for all the different ways you can deal with grief because each person is dealing with it and they're dealing with it in their own way absolutely yeah i don't know that's something i i noticed the first time and like even when i watched it the first time that that scene in the house is probably one of the scariest things i've ever seen um (laughs) it it just it frightens me all the time like it's like backcountry levels of frightening me (laughs) um but yeah I, i think this is like an amazing um sci-fi movie Uh, it's not as heavy on the horror but i definitely think that this one will be one that like you know give it 30 years this is going to be like you know a classic and i think like right from the start and it's really cool seeing a new generation of visual directors because you can look at this like someone like denis villeneuve like all these guys are putting out such high concept art and i i think there's always going to be a market for that Absolutely. And those are the things that will often stand the test of time, too. Like, visual style can go a long, long way. Exactly, yeah. And, and I, I think that it's it does a good job of never telling you everything about a story. You have to experience it, which comes back to the, the emotions of grief and such, is that throughout the movie, you're, you're picking up what everything everyone has. Because it, it is, like, a fairly, like, emotional movie to watch. Because you definitely do feel something by the end. Oh, absolutely. Totally. Well, I'm happy we're all on the same page here. This is going to be a fun conversation because um, there isn't going to be this definitely doesn't sound like we're going to be doing much arguing here, but it's going to be more uh, dissecting the film and the different things that we take away from it. Because uh, like you guys, I pretty much agree with both of the things that both things that both of you guys have said. Um, but I think uh, to, to Boozy's point, like you mentioned, Denis Villeneuve, I think that's something that's special about Alex Garland is we... He's one of those guys like Denis where he has he has both the writing chops and the cinematic visual storytelling chops. I think That's he's true. got it all. Yeah. And I think he's shown that in both of his films and even in Dread. It, like when if you include if you include that into his film canon which you should, it shows that this guy's got it all. 
And then you have, on the other hand, you have guys like Neil Blomkamp, who I know it sounds like I give him shit all the time, but it's because I think District 9 is such a perfect, I think I, mean, yeah. I don't think it's perfect. I don't think it's perfect, but I think it's a fucking awesome oh, alien movie. Fantastic, and it looks though. so good. Yeah, it looks so good. And he's just steadily kind of not reached that excellence ever since. And it's always been because of the storytelling. Like his visuals in Elysium still look amazing. Chappie even looks incredible. But it's the writing that suffers. And with Garland, like and another point that Kyle made is that you said his stuff is very heady. And I agree with that. I think this is I think this is a horror movie. I think it takes a while to get to the horror. But when you do get to that horror, that bear scene that you're talking about, Boozy, is one of the most terrifying things, without a doubt, at least in the last 10 years. Um, But I think it holds up so well. And even though it's only been two years, but like watching it on my couch, I had the same experience I had watching in that theater. Oh, and man. that says something about the this the film style the filming style of it and I think he puts so much care into every single frame of his films everything serves a purpose and that's why I gravitate to his film so much and I think Annihilation is his best movie um I'm a fan of all of them but I think this is his best movie because it has so much to say and not to say that Ex Machina doesn't and even you know Dread Dread has some stuff as well uh, but Annihilation, you could you could be digging into this thing. It, it's oh it's a never ending it's a never ending cup that just keeps giving. Um, like what like similar. I uh, I listened to Lana's message before, and I, I don't want to dip into what she said. I'm gonna let her say it for herself. But I had a similar experience to her when I watched it, and I think that this is one of those movies that, without a doubt, rewards repeat viewings. And every time you watch it, it will get better. And this is a rare movie where it will get better every time you watch it because the first time you really have no idea what you're in for and you really have no idea what the story is. You're going along with it. And even every time you watch it, you take something new and the story grows into something else that it wasn't previously on a previous watch. I think and so too. I, I mean, think from the beginning, sorry, man, like, like the way the movie even like begins, like, the the story's told sort of like this back and forth kind of method, right? So like inherently, the first time you watch this movie, it's a little scatterbrained to some extent. Like I don't think it's hard to follow, but you would have to be, you'd have to you know be really ahead of the curve, I guess, to sort of be you know right on page with the film as it's going. Like you would never get everything. You also from this have movie. to care. You'd have to care too, but you have to be invested. You I guess just to be to, invested. Just to just agree with your point, like I don't think you could really ever get everything from this movie on the first watch. I don't think it's possible. Totally agreed. And I think that even even if you can like one of the one of the greatest things about this movie is I don't think that any of us three is going to be right today. Yeah. I don't think any of us is I don't I don't think any uh, any three of us knows what this movie's fully about. And I don't think that and normally I find that to be a bit of a cop out in storytelling when it's like, well what do you think it is? Like the ambiguity. Right. I think Alex Garland knows exactly and Jeff Vandermeer knew exactly what they were setting out to do. That's actually an important point I want to get across right now. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm currently I wanted to finish it. It's a short book. I wanted to finish it before this episode. Uh, but I'm currently I started reading reading the Southern Reach trilogy. And I'm about 80% done Annihilation. Um, so I know that when Alex Garland went to direct this film, he hadn't, like, the, the, sec- the second and third book weren't even out yet. So he didn't right. know how the story had ended. And he had only read Annihilation once, and he wrote the script off of memory. He didn't even, like, 
Yeah, so he totally turned this thing into his own entity. So it's that's going to be something that's going to rub Jeff Vandermeer fans the wrong way. Um, if you want to look think at it, it does. It, I think some like diehards of the series, um, you know, they have some issues with this movie, which is understandable. But they're just two completely different works of art. You have to kind of look at it. I out. think, yeah. But from what I'm gathering, is that the core there's core similarities. Uh, there are things that I like that are done in the book better than in the movie. But at the end of the day, I, I'm not done the book, so I can't fully speak to it. But I, I think what Garland did was he took the core story that Vandermeer wrote and he turned it into something incredibly personal to him. And that could be something. But in doing, in doing so, he's turning into something personal for many people. He's, he's opening it up to a whole new world of an audience that he can reach. And I think it works so much. It works so well. And in my opinion, it works better than the book. Once again, I've only read 80% of the book, so I can't speak on how the, how it ends. I know that from what I've read, it ends entirely different. Um, but I wouldn't change pretty much anything about the movie Annihilation. I will say the first half an hour, I'm not crazy about because I feel like it's a little... Um, I'm, I, I'm struggling to find the right words for it, but the way that it's it's filmed it feels it's kind of jarring once it gets into the once they get into the the shimmer in my opinion like i don't know i i feel like all the the scenes of her kind of dealing the grief i think it's all important that she needs to grieve the you know missing her husband she doesn't know where he is or where he's gone um but i feel like it kind of drags out a little bit whereas in the book it picks up as they're stepping into area x which is the shimmer okay um, so it cuts all the bullshit out. That's the extent I'm going to talk about the book because that's not what we're here to talk about today. But um, I just I think though. this is yeah I think it's a really like Kyle said it's a very science fiction heavy sci-fi movie which you know we should generally want but some people they don't want to have to think too much and I'm not saying that you need to overly think to watch Annihilation. It's just. There, he does expect you to have to put in a certain level of effort while yeah. you're watching with the characters. And I will, I will say, like on this uh, particular viewing, I did kind of notice that as much as the film like shows a lot, doesn't tell a lot in some respects. In other respects, it actually is very wordy and actually goes over a lot of yeah. like scientific terms and like kind of really explains the relationships of the characters. I won't say maybe exactly who. I'll maybe say that for spoilers, but. That is actually a little bit contradictory in a way. I don't know if I'd make it a huge knock on the film, but in some senses, I almost just want more of the visuals because I'm getting so much more from the visuals. Of course, I'm going to need that storyline and the heart that um, Garland is kind of putting into this film comes across very well in the final product. But at, at times, I think, um, you know, the, the it is a little dialogue heavy at times and that yeah. could muddy it down for some people. I, I could absolutely see that. Totally. I think the my bottom line for uh, before, and then it can let, pass off to Boozy, then we can get on to spoilers or whatever. Um, but I think the most important thing about the story for Annihilation for people is the difference is the motivations. You need to care about the character's motivations. And it, like Boozy had mentioned before, every character has a different motivation for being there and for spending the time and in the shimmer and why why they're there. And I think that every one of those stories has a reward at the end. And we just so happen to be mainly following Natalie Portman's character and Jennifer Jason Lee. And those are the, really the most uh, interesting ones. 
but there's so much to dissect there and so much to dig at. Uh, so, yeah, those are my general spoiler-free thoughts of Annihilation. Boozy, you look like you were going to say something. I was just going to ask, actually, if you had your choice between how the book goes about the the start and how the movie, would you prefer how the book, like if it would have just started from when they woke go up in the tent? I'm going to be honest. That's yeah. They, I, I like that better about the book. And also in the book, they don't have names. They're biologist and surveyor. And um, what are the other uh, psychologists like Jennifer Jason Lee's the psychologist. They don't have names. And I love that idea about the book. And one thing I will say about one thing that I'm loving about the book is that he Jeff Vandermeer has a way of writing where everything is just as colorful. Like even if I hadn't seen Annihilation, I know that's kind of it seems like it'd be hard for me to truly comment on that, how I would be feeling if I hadn't seen it. But I feel like he paints that world so well in the book. And uh, he, it's it, I feel like uh, Garland really nailed the aesthetic of what Vandermeer was explaining in the book. Right. And I think he he killed it. I think it looks amazing. Um, but it that's has a really, really kind of unique, like style and beauty. Yeah. Like it's, it's gruesome at times. It's downright horrifying at times, but it's mostly like unique. Like that's the best part about it is it's the most gorgeous looking horrifying movie because <laughs> it's genuinely scary at times, like genuinely I actually, scary. I actually watched this, uh, recent viewing with, <laughs> with my family and the whole time my dad kept saying, Oh, Oh, this is just like predator. Just like Predator. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I guess. Like, yeah, I could see. And then I actually looked. I was doing some research. And Jeff Vandermeer wrote a Predator novel. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Just pre- yeah, Predator he- South China Sea in 2008. So there's so that. So does your dad like this movie more or Predator more? <laughs> I think he's more of a Predator fan. But you know him. He said his words. <laughs> Although that's not I, it. Well, I don't want to get into it. But yeah. I think He did enjoy yeah. it, though. And you can definitely also see similarities to like you know this is a lazy comparison because we do it with almost every movie that has practical effects or you know some kind of weird creature effects but the thing needs to be mentioned here that that had to have played a bit of an inspiration in both Vandermeer's story and Alex Garland's retelling of it right absolutely I know I I think 100% and it does a really good job of creating that paranoia from where it starts where you're getting to know your characters versus where they end up I, I can definitely see the similarities. I also I agree. Uh, I have to say, I think Gina Rodriguez's character, um, the character actually I enjoy, but I, I don't think her performance is very good in the film, unfortunately. She kind of, that was a bit more noticeable for me this time around. Um, you know, sometimes she's just kind of like overacting at times. And even though she is very pivotal and probably my favorite scene in the film, and she gives a good performance yeah. in that scene, <laughs> the rest of it, it kind of just campy for me it kind of throws me out at that, times so it's where it it truly the tone the tone of the movie shifts so hard in that scene i know which one you're talking it's the bear scene yeah the bear scene Correct? yeah yeah exactly it, 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 it the but the thing is yeah the tone of the whole movie shifts so hard and what one thing i want to mention too is i was talking about earlier in the pre-feature stuff I was talking about J.J. Uh, Abrams using lens flares like on eggs. I'm, I can't say if it was actually eggs or whatever, but I'm saying he was doing it in kitchens. Uh, Garland does the same thing in Annihilation, but I think he does it because he needs to make it less jarring when you go from these really dark atmospheres to like the gorgeous, beautiful setting of the shimmer. And I well, think yeah. that that's why. And it's also it's not pornographic. 
like it, to oh, me, wow. like the way that the way that J.J. Abrams does it, it's pornographic. Where it, like where it's everywhere with well, uh, with it's, Garland, it's kind of subtle. It's subtle. It's I don't know. It's subtle in like the result, but it's everywhere. Like there's a lot of it in excess, but it fits the visual style. Like Agreed. everything yeah. is kind of this like, well, I don't want to say shimmery because I almost wouldn't quite use that word. It, like my mind, shimmery is more like shiny, but it's kind of yeah. this like reflective, you know, look. Totally. And there's and you get that in you get that in most sci-fi movies. Like they they do that kind of shit. But. but it also makes sense to the actual, you know, dialogue and the story itself, talking about refraction and, you know, kind of uh, the duality of a being and different visuals. Things are, you know, not, you know, totally understood. And that's actually something I really wanted, I should have brought up maybe even earlier. The one of the things I love about this movie is just, like, how it deals with something that looks alien, you know? like Oh, like, yeah. The, the actual, like, full-blown alien um, uh, representations in this movie are so unique. And it, it's not that it's even, like, anything special because it's not the little – because it's, you know, not doing the little green men. Sure, maybe it gets some points for that, I suppose. But it's just the fact that, like, it looks so unique and so, you know, otherworldly in a way I haven't really seen before. But it's so simple and it's so well executed. And and that's that's maybe my favorite part of this whole movie is that everything just always kind of feels off. It's almost almost like a you know a different reality to some extent. And I think that's what the movie's trying to get across to some to some degree. You know, you know, if you're going through grief or you're going through depression or you're going through something affecting your life, you know, your world doesn't seem the way it once was. Everything's kind of hazy or, you know, misunderstood. And the film visually makes so much sense of that. <clears throat> Totally agreed. Awesome. Well, do you guys want to hear from Lana and then we'll get into some spoilers? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here I'm going to I'm going to play a clip from our friend Lana from Boston. And then after that, we're going to delve right into our spoiler conversation. So uh, here is a clip from our friend Lana. Hi, guys. Thanks so much for having me on this episode. I know uh mitch and boozy you guys know how much annihilation means to me so much so that i got a tattoo um the same ones that they have the orboros um it be quickly became one of my favorite movies because of the whole entire symbolism of it um i actually rewatched it today to prepare for this message um but i look at it more in a way i know I've seen it a few times now, so I see it differently every single time I watch it. And this time around, I definitely saw it in more a a view of like the scientific lens. I didn't really look at it as the emotional lens so much this time around. But the first few times that I saw it, um, the emotional impact that it had on me was significant, um, especially someone that deals with depression, me, for example. Um, you know you have this mood disorder, you know that there's really not like a ton that you can do about it. It's something that takes over your body and your mind and all these negative um, thoughts get like, you know, put into your brain and you can't stop them. And that's kind of like the shimmer, like you go in and all these things are beautiful. Like you might be beautiful as a person and other people might see it as something that's beautiful. But then you have, you know, this fucking alligator that is trying to kill you and you have this killer bear that takes your screams and takes your voice and takes everything in you and you know 
thus kills your friends and maybe layers of you that you didn't know were there. Um, That's what I like the most about Annihilation. I like that Lena as a person is meeting all these other people on this introspective journey into something that they have no idea of. Um, And they have all this baggage with them. um, And they're not sure what's going to happen or what's going to come of it. But they're all dealing with their own shit. And it kind of feels like Lena is the encapsulation of all these women um and that's what I identified so much with when I first saw it um and I think that's what's so beautiful I think feeling is so beautiful and I think you know doing something fucked up hurting somebody that you love um in Lena's case cheating on her husband um is something that you really need to face um if you have a disease and you're dying it's something that you need to face um, anything that changes uh, the chemicals in you, um, the cells in your body. I know from having depression, you know, I've reconfigured my brain and that's something that we all have to train ourselves to do, um, which is interesting when you think about it. Um, we always have to shift our perspectives based on like new information. Um, so her going in, going on this introspective journey and like trying to figure it out and the ending of them ending ending up together, um, even though they're not necessarily the same people that they were before they went into the shimmer, um, is something that I love and appreciate because again, it's not, the shimmer isn't destroying things. It's making changes and creating something new, um, which I always thought was super beautiful. And I still think it's beautiful. I think it's brave to pick up the pieces and to save yourself and to save the people that you love. Um, so that's what I think about the movie. (laughs) Um, very personal, obviously, but I've had some wine, so you guys are lucky. Um, (laughs) but I hope I'm excited to hear all of your thoughts on the episode, um, and to hear your thoughts on the movie. Um, thanks so much for inviting me again. Love you guys. Talk to you later. Bye. And we have reached the spoiler section of our episode on Annihilation. So thank you for sending in that message, Lana. We really appreciate it. And we love hearing your thoughts always, especially when it comes to a movie that we know means as much to you as Annihilation does. Uh, that message meant a lot to us that you sent it in. Yeah, thank um, for you. Those of you who, yeah, for those of you who want to follow Lana, she's Lana Banana on Instagram. So you can follow her, send her a message there. Uh, she's a friend of ours she came to all the way to saskatoon from boston over the summertime uh to visit us so she's a big part of our community here so give her a follow and show her some love no that was now let's get message when i as soon as i listened to that message i was just like well we don't even need to do this episode i mean that's uh that's 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 beautiful that is something you did in fact say (laughs) um also want to point out that we have another message so i can like read it at the end if you want actually do you want to read it right now i didn't know we had another message Okay, it yeah, just came in this morning. Uh, so this is from Darcy, loyal oh, fan Darcy. 3,000 movies to die before we watch podcasts. Go check them out. Uh, the header for this is no pickle-based humor this time. What the hell was his last pickle thing? I'm trying to remember. I couldn't, I, the last episode, I, I actually, like, I don't want to read, I don't want to read messages that don't make sense anymore. <laughs> what am I supposed to do with that? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Read it. <laughs> Take uh, it as you want. <laughs> okay. Uh, first off, I want to say that you lads are doing a great job with all the new social media content, which that's just Mitch, not us. We got shout out, Mitch. 
Thank you, Darcy. Your new graphics look fantastic, and they promote not just what you guys do, but also that it's a product. I want to get up in my earballs. Great job. We at 3,000 Movies to Die Before You Watch wanted to join in on the Alien Invasion series, so we consulted our collection, and unfortunately, the only invasion movie we have is Knowing. I don't oh boy! <laughs> oh man, I've seen this piece of shit, the Nicolas Cage movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I know you're talking, this, dude. This was this was like right when he was really falling down. Yeah, man. I want to check this out now. Oh I man, you guys out, need man. to watch Knowing. We should do an episode on Knowing at some point. It is so fucking bad. <laughs> so instead, I'll offer up a recommendation based on your honeymoon episode. If you're looking for a relationship being put through the ringer, you should check out Landmine Goes Click. Never heard of it. It's one of the hardest movies to watch I've ever seen. If you're not comfortable with rape scenes and people being taken advantage of in mental, sexual, and physical ways, don't even attempt it. It may be the most mentally exhausting movie to watch because it is 90% or it's tense for 90% of the runtime and you never know which direction it's going. The antagonist does so much victim blaming throughout the movie. Almost seems like it's from the perspective of an attacker. Also, if you're looking for more plumbing humor, check out Jack Brooks' Monster Slayer, which features Robert England. And that is from our favorite hipster fuck, Darcy. Wow. Perfect message, Darcy. Thank you so much for that message. That was perfect. Not one pickle in there. Yeah, from now on, let's send messages like that, where they make clear sense and we can read them. (laughs) And they don't involve pickle grenades or whatever the fuck you're talking about. I don't know. That was a great message, though. Thank, Thank you, very you. Much. Thanks, Darcy. Thank you, Darcy. Thank you for always writing in. Yeah, absolutely. We appreciate that. Awesome. Well, let's get into the nitty gritty. Let's get into it. So, let's... couple couple things to talk about right off the get. Where where should we start with this? I feel like oh. we should assess the. Oh, and there's cute little Doctor Loomis. That's the best part about uh, recording over Skype is we can see Boozy's kitties. <clears throat> I'm gonna make them dance. Sorry, guys. Yeah, this is looks... more of a visual thing. <laughs> Just right. imagine right. making my cat dance and he hates it. <laughs> all right, let's talk about uh, let's talk about the tattoo. Did you guys pay attention to that at all, or are we delving that deep? We can go in there, sure. Yeah, yeah, of course. All right, so I want to talk about how in the opening of the film, or like, and when when Natalie Portman is being interrogated at the beginning and end of the film, she is sporting her Ouroboros tattoo, which is a figure eight design of a snake eating itself. Um, so I did some research to find out what this meant. I know uh, Lana talked about it a little bit on her message, but uh, what I found is the symbol usually represents the cyclical nature of life, or the theory of eternal, or, or the theory of the eternal return, a concept about how how all life will occur and reoccur until the end of time. Um, wow. So that's a heavy, heavy theme throughout the movie because you also uh, one of the direct lines in the movie is the shimmer isn't destroying destroying life, but it's creating something new. And that's exactly what's happening throughout sure. the movie. So um, that's my own. My, the only way that I can, I, we got to talk about theories about if. Uh, well, I guess we can we can talk about like when she finally gets to the lighthouse and what the fuck we were thinking when all that was happening. But I, I, before the episode closes out, I want our theories on if Lena is Lena when she leaves. Okay. Uh, well, because I definitely have my theories, and I I don't like I said I don't think anyone's right. I don't know. Th- that is true. I. Th- it's less of like a, I mean, we can have a discussion, obviously, I have no problem, but I don't think that's necessarily like the be all end all. Like there's, you're like you're saying, there's not one correct uh, answer, but it also, that ambiguity is fun, but it's not everything that the film is about. I also know that Alex Garland was t- speaking that some, uh, one of the kind of, I guess, ideals or, you know, 
things behind the film he wanted to get across was the idea of self-destruction. And I think the Ouroboros actually does that pretty well, too. I mean, it's literally eating itself, right? And, and I mean, sometimes self-destruction can refer to sort of like uh, tearing everything down to build everything up, you know? And I, I, I think that this film definitely does a good job of that. And earlier in the, in the episode, Boozy, you were talking about how there was these, you know, this kind of ragtag group of people who are all kind of experiencing uh, grief in different ways. And I don't know, to me, that was obviously a, definitely, um, I don't know if it fits exactly into the steps, but like the five stages of grief, that definitely seemed like maybe something that was, you know, being alluded to there. Um, but to answer your question, Mitch, about whether Lena is, uh, is who she was, you know, at the end of the film as she was a, the person who entered the shimmer, I don't think it is. I think that is actually a new person. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't, I don't think anyone actually leaves the shimmer. Right. Yeah. And because you see she throughout throughout the scenes in the shimmer, especially watching it again, she doesn't have that tattoo until the end or the beginning and yeah, the end. Absolutely. While yep. she while she's in the shimmer, she doesn't have that tattoo until the faceless being at the end, which is the craziest, mo- debatably the craziest moment of the movie with this fucking score. Uh, oh, I oh god, god. I I think amazing. Ben Ben Knightley is his name. I gotta look. Up. I want to make sure I get it right because the score in this movie is absolutely phenomenal, and it's one of those movies that um, Ben Salisbury. Sorry, that was not right. <laughs> ben Salisbury <laughs> did the score, uh, but when I saw this movie in the theater, that yeah. is was the coolest, most chilling sound ever, yeah. and I didn't. I wanted that scene to end so bad because it was making me feel so uncomfortable. But at the same time, I didn't want it to ever end because it was an experience. Are it you was something specifically the kind of like in the light? Okay, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I love the everything that happens in the lighthouse is so interesting. I love near the end, like the choreography of Natalie Portman's character, you know, with her double is yeah. super, super interesting. And obviously, I mean, that's just a person in probably a green screen suit or something or maybe yeah, it's but it looks so good and so, it, looks, it, it, it looks like nothing we've ever seen before i've never it, seen that before and it, it hits home to a lot of i think uh you know the metaphors and meanings behind this film like she's like literally has to destroy herself to overcome herself you know like you know i, I like that because sure maybe there's some obvious things to pick up from but the film never really like hits you over the head with it it's obviously for you to interpret and there's very literal ways you can interpret it, and there's also very figurative and conceptual ways you can interpret what's happening on the screen. And I think that maybe that's why this film is could resonate so deeply with someone because it it feels so subtle in a way that it can be very personal. And yeah, I don't know, I, I love that about it. And I guess speaking about the CGI as well, or like even like the visual effects in the film, they are gorgeous, but at the same time, they're not the best CGI I've ever seen no. before. But that's not the point, like. This film has kind of a unique look, you know, kind of um, it's otherworldly. Yeah, like it, it it gives a good example that you don't have to have like billion dollar CGI to have good CGI. If the CGI yeah. in the film makes sense in the world and the setting totally. of the film, then it can totally fit and thrive and you know enhance the movie actually. And, and this is a really, really good, really good case of that in my opinion. That's a great point. That's a really good point. And yeah, like that, I think that that's one of those, that's, that's the scene. I feel like, uh, the ending, the climax of the scene in the lighthouse, that's where it's either going to, there's a chance that could lose a lot of people. And cause yeah. that's where it gets fucking weird. I have um, to admit the Jennifer Jason Lee bit when she's having like rainbows shoot out of her mouth. That still takes me out every time I have to be really? honest. 
it's Boozy, a little... you're not you're not crazy about that scene either, are you? No, it's, it's a little every jarring. time I watch it, I want it, I want to accept it, but yeah, it it, it is very jarring because I was expecting to get a little bit more out of her before that even happens. That's a good point. Yeah. Because she has a very deep character and it feels like her payoff isn't what you know what I mean? Like it, it's well, not it's not a good enough climax I find for her character. I I, I don't know. I, I kind of agree, but I guess I more so mean visually. It's the only time visually where it kind of takes me out. That being said, almost immediately afterward, where there's like this floating like anus orb. <laughs> that looks, yeah. It looks really cool, and like I'm totally I buy all of that. It's just for some reason when like. I don't know. It's the most like, metal thing ever, man. I just picture a guitar solo the minute she says Annihilation. Or when, she's like, she, when she's digivolving, it just kind of... <laughs> yeah, and honestly, in the book, sorry to mention that again, but uh, she's the psychologist, obviously, and that character plays uh, like definitely is one of two main, main characters in the book. And uh, that I think she... From what I'm gathering from the book, she knows a lot more than the other characters do about what's going on in the Shimmer, and I don't know if they really delve into that in the in the movie as much. I I couldn't pick up on that, but what I what I did pick up on is apparently in the book, saying the words annihilation is like a way out of the Shimmer. Weird. I could be yeah, I could be wrong because I'm not finished the book yet, but I I did sort of read that somewhere. <laughs> What's the chances of someone yeah, randomly saying yeah. annihilation? Well, no, because she she because apparently she knew about it. Like she, I, I don't know. There's this, she, I then, could be making it was a post that no could be complete hearsay. That sounds yeah. incredibly stupid. So I could be wrong. Yeah, on the um, way on the way no, in, there's a posted note that says that. <laughs> but it's yeah. also not totally wrong because that's kind of what happens in the movie, right? So yeah, I mean, and just click <laughs> click your click your heels and say there's no place like home. Here we go. Um, but yeah, so boozy. Like how how do you how are you affected by the second half of this movie and the climax and everything? Because I remember I will vividly remember. Uh, talking to you on the terror table about your first viewing experience with this movie and to quote you specifically like I said I can't remember things that happened yesterday but I can remember your exact words were they fucking paint the walls with sci-fi is what yeah, you said they, about they it they go go all all out for the like the ending and like Mitch, or uh, like I was talking about with the the anus orb I really <laughs> wish we had a better name for that but I don't. I, I like the idea that it is like how do you how do you show an audience something that's so unfathomable that yeah. that gives it the right weight? Um, well, I, 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 yeah. Sorry. No, go ahead. I think the way that it works is because it's kind of like um, you know when you see like renderings of like other planets or like renderings of other things. I mean, you mean or maybe not planets specifically, but I'm trying to think of an example like. Things in science, I guess, that we understand, but maybe, or maybe things from history that we understand and have like uh, evidence of, but we don't know have the whole story, and so we just kind of like. You uh, mean like the pyramids? <laughs> <laughs> sure, like the pyramids. Yeah, like well, anything where there is a semblance of reality, but at the same time, it's hard to visualize and properly like depict in our real world. Right. Now, I think that happens a lot in science, and I think that's kind of why it happens. It's viable in this film because. I mean, the film has interesting visuals for sure throughout the runtime, but at the end, it obviously goes, you know, in a whole different uh, metaphysical realm. And I think the reason it, it's bu believable is because up until this point, we're kind of being teased those little things, you know? Right. Yeah. Sorry, I, I could be. I... Go ahead. 
Well, I, and the other thing that I actually know you finish yours because my my thought is completely off the rails here. So you go. Okay, I was just going to mention how I liked um, like when before the bear attack when they actually show up at the I believe it's like a little town that had been swallowed up before. Yeah, I, I like that. There's the the big idea that like nature is surviving without people and it's adapting. While yes, you have like an alien structure. Uh, that that kind of kickstarted that, but when you get down to it, they're talking about how it's like breaking down molecules and it's it, it's kind of encompassing whatever it takes over, which is like a super interesting idea. Right. Yeah, and that's where I think the full the heart of the story is in that exact premise, and that's where the alien comes from in this in this story is that it's not even necessarily just an extraterrestrial; it's an entire it's like an entire planet taking over Earth. And that's kind of what I take from it is that it's almost like an, an entire ecosystem that grows as and it takes over our Earth and it replaces it with its own. And I mm -hmm. think that that's such an interesting way to go about a, a science fiction story like this and especially the effects that it'll have on humans going into it. And that's the other thing is that you see, um, for example, that scene and with the bear with the bear Anya, that's the first time that we see her take her jacket off. And she's all paranoid and freaking out because she saw stuff moving in her arm. And oh, that yeah. was the and she we then see her in that scene. She has the Ouroboros tattoo. So it, I think we're led to believe there that she was infected at that point. And she was starting to mess with her and it was starting to take over her. And she was going crazy. And she thought that it was that her it was turning her against her male her human counterparts. And uh, that was why she tied everyone up and was paranoid. And the same thing can be seen when they discover the the camera footage of um, Lena's ex or Lena's husband with Kane, uh, Oscar Isaac, which is the main point I want to get across because it's just an exciting little nerd thing for me uh, that I pieced together, which I, for all I know, could be complete bullshit, but I'm going to swing with it. Um, but Kane, when he's when they're cutting their that other soldier open and he's got all the it, it, he has like an organism growing inside of him and it's moving around. You see that that person also has the Ouroboros tattoo there. And then on the wall, he's the the body that's kind of turned into a vegetative state that's growing into something else. It also has the tattoo there. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah right. I think that's everything that's happening. But what I want to get to here is so I don't think that Lena makes it out. I think Natalie Portman is a different character by the time she gets out of uh, the lighthouse. I think even if... Um, Say she made it out of the lighthouse technically where she puts the incendiary grenade in the in her counterparts in her doppelganger's hands. It didn't know how to react to it and it couldn't adapt fire. So it just started setting everything else on fire. So I think it might have set the world on fire, but it still escaped because it wasn't it wasn't affecting the organism, the actual the body that that she was trying to destroy. We don't see it destroy the actual body. So I think that that escaped and it did take over her when when it was fusing with her. And I think that she escapes and uh, it, going back to the opening of the the opening of the film when her husband makes it finds his way back home, Kane. And one of the most chilling moments of the movie that I never noticed until this time around where she's talking with Kane, her husband at the dinner table. And she's saying, like, where were you? Where I, I've been waiting for you, blah, blah. That she's talking to him. And he explains how he only found his way because he he thought she looked similar. Like he, oh, yeah, he doesn't, yeah. he doesn't even know who he is. He doesn't know who she is. He just said that she looks similar to him. Oh, there's, so, a, there's, there's another really good part. Um, uh, right at that scene too, when they're like at the 
dinner table or whatever together and they're holding hands and their hands the shot composition is right on that glass that glass of water yeah, yeah. and at that point the glass is actually like refracting of them two together like the water is pulling apart kind yeah. of like nodding to them like having the same effect essentially maybe in their relationship or personally as people and it's totally. a little refraction which they talk yeah. about in the shimmer is kind of how things thrive and change or these yeah. refractions i have a yeah. question for you guys okay do, do you think the shimmer is a licensed tattoo artist or is that kind of like a backward like backyard deal i think it might be backwater baby oh yeah that's a, i think that's like, a back yeah <laughs> that's you gotta all I can go there for that it's like like some weird thing comes out of the bush while they're sleeping and just tattoos somebody i know leaves. it's it's kind it's kind of a goofy it's a goofy idea to think about but if you really think about it in science fiction terms it's not actually a tattoo it's just a mark that's on their body it just to us humans that's a tattoo yeah and, and again it's an example of something that's in the film and easily like recognizable and like we could pick apart but it's also again doesn't like bang you over the head with it like it's there but it's not like in your face i so. could be and so here's my theory that it's not and this is nothing exciting this is just a little uh i figured i figured this might be a little bit of fan service from alex garland's end that i've never heard anyone talk about i could be entirely out to lunch here but boys lena's husband's name is kane kane is the first person an alien to get infected by the face hugger Oh, I, that has to be a nod. I'm sure. I, I bet it, it's got to be because he also he doesn't have a name in the book. Right, right, right. Well, didn't so, nobody have a name in the book? Yeah, no, no one had names. So, like, that's why I I'm figured what, that that's got to yeah. be a little nod. It's got to be a little nod to Alien. Lena might also be because I noticed looking at the characters, all of them have first and last names except Lena and Kane. I don't know if that's. Oh yeah. I don't well, know. And that, yeah, because the other. The other thing that you could, but the thing is, it's not uh, like there's the story of Cain and Abel from the Bible. Yeah, I, I um, thought about that too, but I don't know. I mean, then I again, Natalie Portman was in Mr. Megorium's Wonder Aporium, so I can't really trust her. Yeah, I know that's true. <laughs> yeah, she's done some questionable things, but yeah. she's also probably my favorite actress of all time. Yeah, she's also definitely a professional. That's yeah. Well, I, she also did a rap song, so she's also queen. Oh of, yeah, yeah. She's my queen. I love her. I love her so much. But yeah, so I don't know. I think. Closing up, if you unless you guys have a whole bunch of other stuff to talk about, but I just personally think like, yeah, this the whole concept of the movie is just about facing something horrible and coming out of it evolved. And I think that's yeah. a really powerful a powerful theme to carry through your story. And I think that Garland went about it a really great way. And I think he obviously he lifted it from Vandermeer's source material. Um, whether you're going to be a fan of Vandermeer's work or Garland's vision, I think that they both can live in different universes but share similar tones I, I i so far i really like the book but i adore this movie and i think it's an absolute movie that is a must see um there are definitely things i don't love about it like i said i have i i just on rewatches the first half an hour is kind of i would always i i kind of struggle through it a little bit i don't think it's bad or anything it's just it's it shit really starts rolling for me once they gr get into the shimmer and you start you start seeing the the creatures like all of the the wildlife that is living within the shimmer and how you're seeing how it's adapting to the shimmer and like the effects of area x and do, I don't do know, you I guys just... feel like the storyline of her cheating on her husband was kind of it, it didn't feel like it was necessary almost like i feel like i could have cut that out and i would still get the well, same story i thought i, was, I thought it was necessary but... i was gonna bring that up and i i kind of agree with you i think that 
if it's necessary, but I don't think there ever needed to be a scene where they talk to each other. I think there could have just been scenes of her cheating on her husband yeah. with someone. The scene where they're talking and her colleague or I guess person she was having an affair with, I forget his name right now, when he's like talking to her being like, oh, you think somehow he found out about her affair? Oh, it's like, it's so yeah, melodramatic. And I love when he's like, I love my wife. It's like, well, you just yeah. did things that lead me to believe you don't love your wife. I don't know. <laughs> and like, it does add, I think it, it's important because it adds like to Lolena's character. Absolutely. And it kind of adds, adds to her importance. motivations to why yeah. she would go in. I don't, um, I don't think, um, I don't think it would have been a good choice to cut it entirely, but admittedly that kind of, that cut it down a bit forth. That back but her reason for going in is about her husband. I don't feel like it has anything to do with her sleeping with another dude. No, it does. It, I think because it's it's not only what's happened to her husband, but also the guilt of thinking that he's gone and realizing that he was in this place while she was cheating on him. Yeah. And right. I think that that, pu- that pushed her because she kind of gave up. And I think it's her facing herself. She feels guilty about she, it. And She also says that she thinks that he he knew about their affair, which makes it seem like they were having an affair while he was still at home, and they never yeah. discussed it, or never she never fessed up to it, or whatever. Well, because so, yeah, and he also talks about when in that opening scene uh, where he comes back, like he had been out of the shimmer for a while before he came back home, right? And that yeah. that got her extra paranoid. So, but yeah, su- super powerful movie. I I fucking adore it. I love this movie. I love that Kyle picked it. I think it's a really yeah. interesting movie to discuss in an alien invasion series. And uh, yeah, those are my final thoughts. You guys can say anything you want to say. Absolutely. Well, Boozy, you want to go? I don't have too much for final thoughts. Um, I was just kind of thinking like this movie is a, a very good movie to pair with like Arrival. I find that those yeah, two movies totally. really go together because they're also very deep emotionally Mm -hmm. and yeah i don't really have anything else for arrival i do have one other really weird thing but i'll kind of save that for the end or do you want me to tell you right now yeah this is the end (laughs) okay um i got distracted for like a good solid five minutes here because there is a clown wandering around my parking lot i'm not fucking joking i there's a random clown walking around my parking lot and i don't know what (laughs) to do i was wondering what you were looking at you look so concerned i thought it was the the fedex guy like oh i'm really scared i maybe i'll go get a picture yeah (laughs) (laughs) why would there be a clown walking around your parking lot i think he's like entertaining for a birthday party but it's like a social distance one so he's like doing in the parking lot (laughs) yeah i'm trying to get a picture of it but he's kind of behind a vehicle i'll go like sneak over there sorry i just i just had to share that i was curious what uh, lit up your face there earlier (laughs) (laughs) all right kyle uh final thoughts uh uh, yeah final thoughts I, i love this film i think it's um i think it's visually stunning I love that cloudy, soft haze that surrounds the shimmer. And another film, that kind of effect maybe look tacky, but I think it really adds a lot to the visual style. I could say that a million times. I, I love that in this film. The film does kind of take itself seriously at times, but it commits to that, and that's actually what makes it work. I think, um, you know, you could call something like this pretentious, but... I think it's more a film being aware of what it is and really just, you know, going for it. Might work for some, might not work for others, but I don't see a problem with that. Right. Um, again, I love the, you know, the visual effects, the CGI. I think, you know, 
it might not be top of the line, but it just works for the actual world that's built here. And I think another thing I'll mention actually is even the fact that this is a completely um, female-led cast, which you know yeah. doesn't get a lot of love in Hollywood. We talk about it all the time. It's you know it's it's definitely an issue that you know gets brought up a lot and honestly hasn't been resolved and maybe. I think this is a good example Not of a film. Not with that attitude. <laughs> well, I'm being, I'm being pessimistic maybe, but I, I think um, I only mention that really because this is a movie that a lot of people missed. It was only in the theater for like a couple weeks and then it ended up being on Netflix in some countries and had a really weird release. A lot of people did see it on Netflix and on streaming, of course. A lot of people yeah. have seen this film. But I think it's a good example of you know a film that has a really, really great uh, – almost entirely female cast, definitely female led cast right. where not only are they, you know, female characters, but they're also like intelligent, smart characters who have a lot of agency and actually have a, you know, there's never one moment where anything's at their expense or anything like that. They're all like normal people that you would meet in real life. And yeah. that really, I, I like that the idea of that is also that it's not shoehorned in there. It's not like, Here's a bunch of women just because there's a bunch of women. It, it did feel no. like it organically made a good story out of it, and they have a good reason for it, too. Oh, yeah, Which, totally, because they also explained how it was all men before, and then yeah. they, they sent all men, then all women. And, no. yeah, and I think it's a, infinitely more interesting to see the women go in than the men. Well, and it's a movie that, again, has a lot to chew on, and you can dissect it forever. We just did for two hours or whatever, but I think um, at the same time, it never really panders to anything it the movie just kind of is what it is you can take it how you want to um but there is a lot to latch on to and that's that's basically what i love about this movie it's a a good time absolutely cool well uh yeah one last little fun fact that i actually just read oscar isaac filmed this movie like at the exact same time as the star wars the last jedi on adjacent studio lots he used the same trailer for both films and he would film scenes for both movies on the same day that's, that's crazy. crazy. Just yeah, goes nuts. to show how good of an actor he is. Yeah, Italian. he's great. I really fucking love Oscar Isaac. Good old, good old Poe. But yeah, boys, I don't know. It's it's so easy talking about great films like this. So this was an absolute blast. And uh, we'll be back next week with to start our Nightmare on Elm Street retrospective with the first two films. The original film, Wes Craven's original film, and then a Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Freddy's Revenge. So get, uh, get revisited. Get reacquainted. I know you guys. Uh, you guys are in for it. I already started. I'm. Uh, so did I. Yeah. Hell yeah. Fuck yeah. I'm so excited. It's going to be a great, great month. So th- send in messages. Let us know what you thought. Send us any Nightmare on Elm Street related messages to the Terror Table at gmail.com. Uh, just a reminder: we're going to have our friend Scott Hamilton joining us uh, for that first episode. He was on with us uh, for the Evil Dead episode, which was an amazing time. Uh, Scott's a great great guy and he's a hardcore film fanatic especially horror movies of of this era so i'm really excited for that but until next time have a great uh have a great week and thank you for listening to the terror table take care stay safe